just thank the Lord for our worship team today. Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a great time reflecting on God's goodness, on his love, uh, on the beautiful name of Jesus, and Jesus being our cornerstone. Welcome, everybody, to NBC. My name is Marcus, one of the, the pastors here on staff. Whether you're, you're here live or online, we just thank you for tuning in today. And we're going to be in the book of Romans today as we're in the second week of our series called Unashamed. And last week, Pastor Tim... Uh, who's not here today, you get to spend some time with family, thank God, and I get the chance to speak, and I'm really excited about it. But last week, he did a great job of setting the foundation of the book of Romans, right, and setting the foundation of the series. And real quick, to, to kind of recap last week, pretty simple message, if I can just do it like in one sentence, it was establishing God's righteousness compared to our unrighteousness. And he did a great job of, of showing that all, all, the difference between God's righteousness and our unrighteousness isn't a small gap, right? It's not just a, a couple of inches away. It's not like we are here and, and God's righteousness is maybe the, the ceiling that, and if we could only jump higher, if we could get a ladder or perhaps, right, get on each other's shoulders, we could reach that height. He did a great illustration of it's not that, it's as if our unrighteousness is here and God's righteousness is us attempting to jump up and touch the moon, right? So there's a huge gap between, between us and God. And to understand today's message, to understand Romans and really to understand uh, the Bible itself, you've got to start off with that. You've got to start off, off with that there's a God and we're not God and that this God is omniscient right, all-knowing, that this God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and this God is omnipresent, and he's everywhere. And then he's God, and we're us, right? We are fallible humans. As great as we may want to be, as great as we may try to show people we are, we are fallible humans that are daily falling apart. Um, I'm turning 50 August 17th. Thank you. Extra large, size 12. By the way, it's not too late to get your shopping done. But um, August 17th, I'm turning 50, and, and my body's falling apart, right? I, I got sick over Christmas break, the sickest I ever was, and, and just coughing and sick and tired, and, and my body's falling apart. And, and the, the second law of thermodynamics is called entropy, all right? Fancy word, Ricky, entropy. Entropy simply means this. Things go from a state of order to disorder, entropy. Things are constantly falling apart. For example, a great example of entropy is my son Marco. Clean your room, son. Okay, Dad. He cleans his room. Next day, how's the room? Right? Entropy, bite into an apple. Right? Take a look at the inside of that apple a minute later. Looks crisp, looks white, looks delicious. Take a look at it an hour later. Take a look at it a day later. Or back to Marco, take a look at that apple in Marco's room a week later. <laughs> That's entropy, right? Things go from a state of order to disorder. But God is outside of those rules. God is outside of the laws of thermodynamics because God is the author of those rules. So now we have a God who is perfect, right? And then there is us, imperfect Fallible. So to understand today's message and to understand God's word, we kind of have to begin with that. I get to speak today uh, on, our, on, our, on our series of Unashamed is what we need to know about God's wrath. 
So before we understand this, I, we need to frame not only who God is, but really some, the nature of God. So let's get into it right now and get into Psalms 148, 8 and 9. Pay close attention to these verses here. It says this, the Lord is gracious. Everybody say gracious. And compassionate. Everybody say compassionate. Come on, guys, get involved. Slow to anger. Everybody say slow to anger. And rich in love. Everybody say rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. We need to understand this, guys, that God is gracious, he is compassionate, he is slow to anger, and he is rich in love and full of compassion. So when you hear wrath, I don't know what comes into your mind, but God's wrath is not like man's wrath. So when we speak on God's wrath today, and you read about God's wrath today, don't get in your mind your father. Don't get in mind your mother. Don't get in mind your spouse. Don't get in mind the bully on the playground. Don't get in mind your boss or your teacher. Don't get in mind yourself. Keep in mind that the source of this wrath is indeed from a loving, compassionate God that is slow to anger. And that everything that this God does, including his wrath, is good. We'll explain that here in a little bit. For example, Scotty, our worship leader and, and, and youth pastor, bought me this water. It's pure water here. And I know it because when I looked at the ingredients, it says water. And you know this is good water. One, it matches my outfit. Two, it's from 7-Eleven. So if you can't trust 7-Eleven for good water, you can't trust anybody. But the point is this, right? This, I'm assume this is pure water. So every time I pour this water out, it's pure. Why? Because the source of this water is pure. If I were to pour this in a little cup, the water is pure. Why? Because the source of this water is pure. If I would pour this water into a mug, right, it's pure. If I put tang in it, it's not pure, but it's delicious. Right? So whatever comes out of this vessel right here is pure because the source of this water is pure. Similar, God is perfect. God is pure. So whatever comes out of God, whatever God creates, it's pure and it's perfect, including his word. So we need to understand today that there's going to be perhaps some verses that offend some of you. This is what I say to that. Join the club. Right? Because when I read God's word, this is what I find out. Man, I find out that I am imperfect. And, and it tells us that God's word is like a mirror in James. Right? You ever look in the mirror? Yes, you do. Every day. Right? And if you just look at it a little, if you glance by, like today I glance by real quick, make sure that everything was ironed, right, and looks good. And at first glance, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'm very handsome. But if I stay looking at the mirror long enough and get closer, uh-oh, I'm like, what, is these, what are these things growing out of my neck? <laughs> What's the, what are those colors on my teeth? What are those holes on my face? And if I look closer and stay there looking at the mirror long enough, 
man, it's going to reveal some things that are not appealing. Similar to God's word, it's a mirror, right? And if we read it and we take a look at it, it may reveal, not may, it should reveal some things in our lives that are not appealing. So as we read today's passages, you know what? You are probably going to be offended in some capacity. Here's the deal. Once again, join the club. Because I learned from God's word that I am imperfect, that I am full of pride, that I am sinful, and that I fall short. Right? But thankfully, God's word is the standard. I want us to understand this before we get into it. God's word is the standard. Are you guys with me? And what happens a lot in life is there's this standard. And because we can't live up to that standard, what do we want to do to the standard? We want to bring it down. We want to bring down the standard to, to appeal to our lives and our lifestyle so we can feel better. But that's wrong, you guys. Let's not do that because if you don't have a standard and God's word isn't your standard, then I have a question for you. What's your standard? You can create your own standard. You can create your own rules. You can create your own principles. And how is yours different from mine, different from hers, different from his? So if we don't have a standard, guys, then it's chaos. So my encouragement as we read God's word and we learn God's word, that we understand that God's word is the standard. And if we can't live up to it, we don't bring that standard down, right? We challenge ourselves to live up to the standard. And when we fall short, we ask for forgiveness and we grow in anticipation of living a life worthy of the calling God has given us, knowing indeed that we need his help along the way so that's the spirit in which i want us to understand this message today about god's wrath god's wrath is not like man's wrath jonah knew this well real quick jonah was a man of god and when god when god spoke to jonah to go speak to the city of nineveh jonah's reaction was like i don't want to do that he didn't want to do that so much that not only did he not listen to god but he went an opposite way and got on the ship and on that ship, we know that the, that the seas were rough and the seas were crazy. And the men on the ship uh, uh, cast dice, right, lots to see what was the deal. It landed on Jonah. They said, Jonah, what's going on? He said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a man of God. I'm being disobedient. And during this time, that's why we're expecting these waves. And he said, throw me overboard. They decided not to. And as they continued on, the seas got worse. Eventually, they said, Jonah, we changed our mind. They threw Jonah overboard. Even in that, God provided a fish to swallow him for three days and three nights. And finally, the fish vomited him out, and he got to shore, and God spoke to Jonah again. Hey, Jonah, how about, we, how about you go preach? And he's like, okay, God, I got it this time. But the reason God did not want to go preach to Nineveh, you guys, because it was a city filled with evil and wickedness, is because he knew God was loving. Because he knew God was patient. Because he knew God was kind. And he was like, God is going to share the word with them through me. And they're going to repent. And he didn't want that. Man's wrath versus God's wrath. Jonah went. He shared the good news. He, the, the message in the Bible is like, it's like three sentences. It was basically this. Hey, you guys are wicked. God's upset. You better repent. Peace out. And you know what? They repented. And then Jonah was upset. And he said, God, that's why I didn't want to preach. Because I knew you'd forgive them. We have a God that's patient and kind and loving. But in this verse, it lets us know that God is slow to anger, letting us know that God indeed has what? Anger. It may be slow, 
but is, is there. So we're going to talk about God's wrath today. Let's start off with Romans 18 through 20. Romans 1, 18 through 20 says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth of, by the wickedness. Since what may be known to them about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that the people are without excuse. These verses are saying this. Look, if you go outside, and we'll get into this in a little bit, it's clear to see, it's plain to see that there is a God. It's plain to see as you take in oxygen and breathe it in and you breathe out carbon dioxide and the trees get that carbon dioxide and they take it in, right? And then they breathe out oxygen over and over again and you go to the ocean or you go to the mountains or you see a sunset or you see the stars. It is plain to see that there is a God. And how we respond to that is very important. And God was saying, year after year since creation, you guys have suppressed this. You guys have denied this. You guys have said that this is not true. But I've made it so plain for everybody to see that there's a God that nobody, no one is without excuse. They don't have an excuse that there is a God. And that's what this is saying right here. God is great. God is awesome, God's incredible, and God is the champion. Unlike earthly champions, let's take a look at this right here. That's Tom Brady's championship ring, Super Bowl ring. These rings cost about $50,000 only to make, not their value, right, like to create them. There is over 15, there are over 15 carats of white diamonds in this ring. Every Super Bowl champion gets one of these rings, parades, raises, commercials, fame, glory. You guys with me? Last week's game, the Rams won. The Rams will be receiving rings similar. And what happens is they get the glory. They get the accolades. They get the championship. They get the money and the fame. And the Bengals get t-shirts. Somewhere in some third world country, there's a bunch of kids running around with Bengals Super Bowl t-shirts. That's what they do. I don't know if you guys know that. They print two pairs of t-shirts like Super Bowl. Super Bowl champions get it and then some kids somewhere get their, I'll give you one, Ricky. You look like you want one. Your Bengals Super Bowl t-shirt. So can you imagine, you guys, if, if the Bengals at the end of the Super Bowl after they lost come up to the podium, get their rings, and get the accolades of Super Bowl champions? There'd be something wrong with that. Well, well, let's go beyond that. Could you imagine if the worst team in the NFL, right, let's say the Lions perhaps, at the end of the Super Bowl, MVP is their quarterback. Oh, let's go even more sad. Let's say, let's, say for, let's say for 50 years the Rams have won the Super Bowl 
And every year the credit goes to somebody else. And it ends up going to, let's say, Classical Academy High School football team that won one game this year. And they're walking around with this $50,000 ring. How do you think the franchise, how do you think the players, how do you think the owners of this team that wins the Super Bowl every year would feel? You see, God wants the credit. God wants the glory. And if he doesn't get the credit, and if he doesn't get the glory, you guys, he is not happy with that. Real quick, let's talk about uh, what, 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 what studies say is the doctrine of revelation real quick. The doctrine of revelation. I don't want to spend too much time here, but, but, but this is what it means. The doctrine of revelation is this. How God reveals himself to people. Okay? The first way he reveals himself to people is called the general doctrine of revelation. It's this. The commonly shared knowledge of God given to all humanity. The commonly shared knowledge of God given to all humanity, wherever you are, whatever nation you are, wherever you are in the world, whether you know Jesus or not, whether you've heard of a Bible or not, whether you've seen a missionary or not, the common knowledge of God revealed to all humanity, a.k.a. creation. That's general revelation. There is special revelation, which is supernaturally through Scripture, right, and through the personhood of God. This is talking about the general revelation. Let's go, a great example right here is general revelation is this picture here. This is a picture of the Milky Way, a portion of the Milky Way. By the way, does anybody like Milky Way candy bars? They're like Snickers, like, like they couldn't live up to being Snickers. <laughs> right? Is that, am I right, guys? If, you're, if, you're by, if you like Milky Way, listen, repent. Repent today and get some Snickers. I'm sorry, just had to share that. So here's a picture of a portion of the Milky Way galaxy. I want us to try to understand and fathom what you're about to hear right now. Okay, guys, listen to this. The sun, okay, just, just the sun in the Milky Way, is 25 trillion miles away from the nearest star. The sun nearest star 25 trillion miles away okay within the milky way galaxy the star is 25 trillion miles away there are over 1 million stars you understand the vastness of god's creation now that's one galaxy one galaxy there are thousands of galaxies that we can observe That is clear. That is seen. Man can tell you. Man has seen that and yet will still try to deny that there's a creator. And God's like, look at this. If this don't convince you, the Bible ain't going to convince you. If this doesn't convince you, Jesus ain't going to convince you. We have to respond to the general revelation of God through, through just creation in a way to understand how vast and amazing God is. Here's the craziest thing. The Bible says that God knows every one of those stars by name. Let that sink in. That's who our God is. So what can we learn in this general revelation? What can we learn through just observing nature? Here are some things that came to my mind. If you go out today and go for a walk and go for a hike or go to Del Mar or go to Carlsbad and go to the ocean or go to Palomar Mountain and you spend some time observing nature, these are some things that I know can be revealed about God. One, he's powerful. Can I hear amen? 
He's a genius. Can I hear amen? He's creative. He's a master designer. He's got a plan. Year after year, season after season, day after day, there's a plan. He's ordered. He cares. He provides. Right? This is not even God's word right now. Are you guys following me? Just by looking at creation, this is what Romans 18 through 21 is saying. This is what we can observe about our God. I went to um, um, Washington, D.C. this year with my family, if we can put up this next picture. And we went around, and it was awesome. We saw the museums, right, and, and we went around and ate at restaurants, and it was like 155 degrees that day. We all almost died, right? I worked on my tan, though, so that was nice. And we came to the Natural Museum um, of Art. I saw this tree. I took this picture right here. Okay. And this tree is 45 feet by 45 feet wide, high and wide. It is stainless steel. Okay. It is, has 8,000 parts to it. Okay. And it weighs, mm, I think, 8,000 pounds, this tree. No, I'm sorry, 16,000 pounds, this tree. And the creator of this tree is a guy by the name of Roxy Payne, and the tree is called Graf. Well, I certainly was amazed by this tree. It's beautiful. And I walk by, and people walk by, and they see this tree, and they look at it in awe. And all along, Roxy Payne gets celebrated, gets honored, wins awards. Are you guys following me? Right? It's a big deal. Here's the irony. As people are celebrating Roxy Payne for creating this tree, many of those same people are mocking us for believing in the creator of the trees behind it. Yet this tree does not grow. Yet this tree is not alive. Yet this tree provides no shade. Yet this tree can't be cut down and built a house on it. Yet this tree does not take in, right, a carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. And they want to tell us, you guys, if I were to tell people, no, 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 Roxy Payne did not create this. That sculptor did not do it. This only happened by chance. They would mock me and call me an idiot. They would laugh in my face if I told them this tree was not created or sculpted by Roxy. And yet... They want to tell me that the trees behind it were by chance. They want to tell us that the trees behind it were not created by God. And you know what? That is a lie, and I am no idiot. God is their creator. From a small seed in dirt, in water, grows these mighty trees. And yet people do not want to acknowledge its creator or God. And year after year after year after year, God sees this behavior. And although he is slow to anger, although he is compassionate and full of love, he is a righteous God. And so under that framework, we're going to discuss three simple topics of what we need to know about God's wrath. Romans 1, 21 through 28. Keep in mind, God's word, his standard says this, 
For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for the images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Let's go on. Therefore, God, therefore, what's the therefore? Since man did not respect God, and since man tried to take God's glory, God's omnipotence, God's omniscience, right, and turn it into something that looked like a little carved man and said, that's the God you should worship, or turn it into a bird and say, that's the God you should worship, or turn it into some sort of reptile and say, that's the God you should worship, or turn it into money, or turn it into sex, or turn it into fame, or turn it into pride and say, that's the God. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Let's leave it there before we get to the next one. Let me be clear here. As it's talking about sexual immorality, I know it's unpopular to talk about. And I know we're in the days where, you know what, people don't want to offend people. And people don't want to hurt each other's feelings. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. All I want to say is the God of love has standards. Can I hear amen? And one of those standards is, is sexual purity. Here's the deal, too. I needed to repent from my sexual impurity. So as you hear this, don't hear it from a preacher shaking his finger at you guys. Does that make sense, guys? Hear it as a man that needed God's grace, his forgiveness in his life because I am the chief of sinners here. Thank God I repented from my sexual impurity, whether that sexual impurity manifests itself in fornication, which is, which is sex before marriage, whether the sexual impurity manifests itself in adultery, whether the sexual impurity manifests itself in homosexuality, whether the sexual impurity manifests itself in lust and deep pornography, whatever it is, there are standards, and all of those fall below God's standards. Can I hear amen? And if we embrace a lifestyle of that, we are going to be responsible to stand before the Lord. But thank God. He is a God that's mercy, has mercy, faithfulness, love. But it doesn't mean just because he has that and maybe we can't live up to those standards that we should bring those standards down. Those standards are still right and those standards are still God's word. So next one says this. Because of this, God gave them over to their shameful lust. Even the women exchanged natural relationships for, for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with, with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to depraved minds so that they would do what they ought not to be done. First point today about God's wrath, if you're taking notes. God's wrath is purposeful. Everybody say purposeful. 
You see, God responds. And there's a reason for God's wrath. God, not like my mom's wrath. You know, my mom was a Panamanian lady, like full of fire. My mom's was, was like this. You needed to be careful if my mom, to talk back to my mom, if there was a chancla or there was a broom around. <laughs> because if you talk back to my mom when there was a chancla or a broom around, a, 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 a broom around she'd go upside your head with the chancla or the broom or sometimes both. <laughs> and, and so... Depending on what mood she was in, depending on what was going on, I'd be surprised by a chancla on my nalga, right? Or a broom upside my temple. Now, I don't approve of this, but it surely worked. But God's wrath is not like that. God's wrath is, is purposeful. So I'm going to show you a cool video here in a second, but let me, let me frame it real quick. Uh, um, our white blood cells. Our white blood cells are like the heroes of our body. And, and our white blood cells, they go around and they go around attacking bacteria. They go around attacking infection. And these white blood cells, these ones are called neutrophils. You're going to see a video here in a second, right? And, and the neutrophils go around your body and, 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 and searching for all that stuff. And there's something called macrophages. Macrophages are outside of the bloodstream, okay? So the white blood cells are in the bloodstream going around and around and around like, yo, what do I need to do? How's things here? Checking things out. We're good, right? The macrophages are outside in the tissue. And the macrophages' job is to identify when there's bacteria, is when identify when there's sickness, identify when there's all these things going wrong in the body. And when the macrophages sense that, they go beep, 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 beep. And they send out a signal. They send out a signal to the inner walls of your bloodstream, of your blood vessels, right? And as the white blood cells are going around and around, and then the macrophages send out this beep, 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 beep. So now let's say there's a thick slice here. And let's say it's infected with, with pus and the green and all that nasty stuff, right? And every time you taste it, it tastes nasty, right? It's just, right? That's how you know. That's how you know it's not good. Right? And it's just obviously bad, right? So they send signals out to the inner wall of the blood vessel. Proteins are then birthed. And those white blood cells, as they're going around, come around the way God designed it, and they stick to that protein. So they stop right there. Then, now they're in the perfect area because they send out the beep, 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 beep. Now the blood cells open up. And the white blood cells, the blood vessels open up, the white blood cells go through there, sneak through, and they're like, aha! And then they go after the bacteria. Here's a video of that. That's the white blood cell. That's the bacteria. Help me! Oh my gosh, I'm, oh no, no, I'm gonna get you, you bad. Right? That's a white blood cell. And it's chasing it. Right? I'm gonna go over here. Oh my gosh, it's never gonna find me. Oh, help me. Right? And then finally, finally, this, this white blood cell so catches how did it. That white blood cell know where the bacteria was. Booyah, sucker. <laughs> okay. What's the point? God. God just let that sin remain in your life, if God just let that sin build up, what would happen to our bodies? What would happen to our hearts? What would happen to our minds? What would happen to our souls? But God in his loving kindness will respond to that. 
and consume it if, he, if we allow him to. So God's wrath is purposeful. He responds to both prayer and sin. When we live our lives, what's triggering God's response? Is it our prayer or is it our sin? But his response and his wrath certainly is purposeful. Let's go to Romans 1.32. says this. Although they knew God's righteousness decree that those who do such things deserve death, they do not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. 132, right? So it goes on. Look, look, I made it clear that you shouldn't live this lifestyle. And, and sin has its natural repercussions anyways, right? right? Uh, uh, um, alcoholism has its natural repercussions. Are you guys with me? Sexual immorality has its natural re repercussions. Adultery has its natural repercussions. Uh, drugs have their natural repercussions. Lies have their natural repercussions. Uh, are you guys following me? Right? There's a natural built-in kind of wrath within sin. But beyond that, God is saying, since you guys are ignoring me and you're going to continue to do that, I'll let you do it. But guess what? All that behavior is deserving of sin, uh, deserving of death. And I know that's hard to hear, but it's the truth. But keep in mind the standard. You guys with me? This isn't Marcus trying to convince you guys. I'm just reading God's word and trying to explain it. Right? So God's standard is, right, you miss the mark, you imperfect, you live a lifestyle, that deserves death. Why? Because God is alive and God is perfect. Imagine right here if there was a bullseye. There was a bullseye there and I had a dart right here, okay? And I went like this and I tried to throw the, the dart to the bullseye and I just missed the outer ring of the bullseye. Well, guess what? That's the term and that's the thought of what sin is. The term comes from an archery term which means simply to miss the mark. So if I, with a dart or with an arrow, miss the mark, it is sin. When we are imperfect, we are sinful. Whether it's adultery, whether it's fornication, whether it's alcohol, with drunkenness, whether it's lies, whether it's pride. Are you guys with me? Like when I am full of pride, I miss the mark and that's sin. That's why I need forgiveness. And sure, we think of those huge ones, murder, sin. Yeah, but you know what else is sin, guys? Lust. Lust in my mind and lust in my heart. That's sin. So we have a perfect God that says, you know what? If you behave like that, you deserve death, but God is loving. The second point right here is God's wrath is powerful. Everybody say powerful. So we see, first of all, that God's wrath is purposeful. Then we also see that God's wrath is powerful. We can see it in the natural results of sin. Go around and talk to people in the streets. Go around and talk to people that you see are sleeping on the, on the sidewalks and have a conversation with them. You'll see a life, right, broken, right? Talk to, talk to family members that have gone through uh, 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 situations where there's abuse. Talk to them. Ask them how it is. Right? So I talked to a, 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 a young man or young lady that before they got married had multiple and tons of partners of, 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 of sexual morality. And you know what? There's regret, there's pain, there's sorrow, there's disease. Whatever the sin is, right, there, there's, there's powerful, powerful repercussions of it. But ultimately, the biggest one is being separated from God because of our sin. And we don't want that. God's wrath is powerful. 
If we read right now, if we go to Romans 2, 5, and 8, as we're closing up here. But I want to share this verse right before 2, 5, and 8. It's Romans 2, 4, and I'm just going to read it to you guys. It's a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful verse. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Here's a beautiful thing, right? We fall short. We're sinful. We deserve death. God's wrath is purposeful. Joe responds. God's wrath is powerful. But here's the beautiful, it's not the end of the story, guys. God's wrath is preventable. And I'm so thankful that the Lord is gracious. I'm so thankful that the Lord is slow to anger because I deserve death. Because I deserve to be separated by God, by my thoughts, by my behavior, by my sins, by my immorality. You guys following me? I'm the chief of sinners, but yet, through my repentance, yet through my acknowledgement that God is God and that I am so far away from him and accepting that, that bridge that he has provided by his son, Jesus Christ, now I can be seen as righteous. And he offers that for everybody. He offers that for everybody in here. So if listening to this message, you kind of got, you know, upset a little bit or kind of, oh my gosh, a little bit, right? It's okay, join the club. We all fall short. And there's a solution for sin, and that's called salvation. And that salvation is found through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's read this last verses here. It says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storm, storing up wrath against yourselves for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they have done. Listen to this. To those who by persistence and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. And so if we seek Jesus, we will find him. And he will reward those who search for him. And he will provide eternal life through the forgiveness of sins, through repentance, through his son, Jesus Christ. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Romans 2, 5, 8. The last point here, is, like I said, is that God's wrath is preventable. Thank the Lord for that. There's a solution. We see there's a problem. We see that we fall short. We see that we're sinful. We see that we've missed the mark. Either through lust, murder, adultery, pride, you name it, we've missed the mark. That's the problem. Here's the solution. The solution is God's son. The solution is repentance. And repentance is a fancy word that I'm going to illustrate right here. It's very simple. If you're living your life this way, contrary to God's word, repentance, and a good illustration is this. Right here. Just go here. Right? We've all fallen short. We're all imperfect. And God allows us that chance of repentance. I love this, this, this quote here by uh, a spiritual heavyweight, Charles Spurgeon. It says this, the world's one and only remedy is the cross. That's the one remedy we have, you guys. I'll close with reading John 3, 16 and 17. And we all mostly know John 3, 16. But I just want you to focus on God's goodness as I read John 3, 16 and 3, 17. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world 
through him. We're so blessed that we have a God that even in his wrath, he loves us. Although his wrath is purposeful, he'll respond. And we know that his wrath is powerful. Thank God we see in his word he's provided a solution and his wrath is presentable through his son, Jesus Christ. And the only solution we have, guys, the only hope that we have is in the cross and the blood that was shed by Jesus Christ. So why don't we close up in prayer and, and take time for communion. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that your word is truth, that it's the standard, Lord. And I just pray as we all wrestle to live up to that standard, Lord Jesus, that we would rely on you and your righteousness, not on our works, God. And I just pray as we've heard this message, Lord, that we could just reflect, Lord, and wherever we are, Lord, that we could take a spiritual inventory and go, these are the areas in which I am living that I know don't please you, God. But I want to change, Lord, and I want to live for you, and I want to glorify you, God. And I just pray that your word would come to life in our hearts, God, and as we take this time to take the bread and the cup, Lord, and to reflect upon the work that you did upon the cross, Lord, that we would be thankful, that we would receive that free gift that you've given us, Lord, and that we reflect upon what you did for us that day, Lord, and through through the shedding of blood and the remission of sins and through you dying, Lord, and paying that price that we deserve, God. That we would choose to live a life that follows you, Lord, and trust you as our Savior. Thank you, Lord.